Number 503, we'll also have it on our screens. For, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Praise the Lord. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Since Jesus came into my heart, there's a lot of new things. All new things. What a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. I have light in my soul for which long I had sought since Jesus came into my heart. Since Jesus came into my heart. Since Jesus came into my heart. Floods of joy o'er my soul like the sea. came into my heart and my sins which were many are all washed away since Jesus came into my heart since Jesus came into my heart since Jesus came into my heart, into my heart. floods of joy so like the sea billows roll since Jesus came into my heart. Amen. Worthy is the Lamb. Since Jesus came into my heart, I've realized that the Lamb of God is worthy of all praise, honor, and glory. Revelations 5.12 tells us, Worthy is the Lord that was slain to receive honor, glory, and blessing. Worthy is the Lamb.
people said, amen. John 12, 28 tells us, Father, glorify thy name. That's the words of Jesus talking to his Father, the only true and living God of heaven. Glorify thy name. Hymn number nine. mothers out there and then after we everyone is greeted you can be seated okay okay we have a little special music now by the Larry Davis gang Wayne Ross Larry Davis y'all need a mic I guess some of the fondest memories I have of my mom was when I was a child. Uh, mom loved the old hymns, and uh, she sang those hymns or hummed them all the time. She she loved the hymns, and and uh, I guess that's why I like them so good too. But uh, I want to dedicate this to all the mamas, grandmamas, great grandmamas, and the mamas that's gone on home to be and especially for Shirley's home.
Sure made me think about my godly mother. Might not be standing here. Most surely probably wouldn't be standing here wasn't for my mother praying for me. Others too, but thank God for mom praying for me. Uh, go with me in prayer now as we bow our heads and close our eyes and talk to the only true and living God. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this wonderful day you've given us. Another day, this side of eternity, by your mercy, we praise you for your mercy and your grace. Lord, we thank you for all the mothers out there. Lord, uh, I ask your special blessings on them this day. We thank you so much for them, Lord, for their prayers and their, Lord, their love they have for their children and their family. We just ask a special blessing that they'd be remembered. All mothers would be remembered this day and honored because, Lord, you give mothers to us, and we thank you and praise you for that. Now, Lord, we thank you for this service that we're in. We ask, Lord, that you would just guide and direct and bless. Uh, bless our pastor and fill him with your spirit. Lord, give him uh, power from on high to preach the message from you to us, Lord, and use him as your messenger and give him, uh, Lord, uh, clarity of thought and speech and boldness to preach and proclaim your message for us this day. Thank you, Lord, for the songs and the singing and the singers. We ask, Lord, that you would just help and guide and direct the rest of the service and pray that everything said and done has and will bring honor and glory to you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, ask all things. Amen. Okay, stand one more time for me, if you're able, if you're able, as we sing, There is a Redeemer. 1 Corinthians 1.30 tells us, Christ Jesus has become our righteousness and sanctification and redemption. There's only one Redeemer, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. There is a Redeemer. Hymn 308.
join with me in giving our pastor an applause of appreciation. Take your Bible and turn with me to the book of Ruth this morning. Book of Ruth this morning. Thankful for my mother. I had a had a godly mom. Well, still, I like shouldn't say had. I still have a godly mom. Uh, <laughs> she's still alive and she's still godly. Praise the Lord. Uh, I still have a godly mom. I'm thankful for her and for her influence in, in my life and for all the godly women in my life who have uh, poured their their hearts and their love and, and pointed me to to Christ. And grateful for those ladies. We we need ladies like that. Um, we absolutely do. Um, I would say sadly it's. It's a famine in the land today of mothers and fathers who, one, love the Lord, and then two, teach their kids to love the Lord. And we need some of that today. And so today I want to, um, to look here at the book of Ruth. I want to read verses 1 through 6 today of chapter number 1. And that's going to be our passage for today. We're talking about the sort of the motivated mother and the motivation of, of a mother. We'll get into that in just a moment. But I want to read today um, Ruth chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. It says, now it came to pass when the di- uh, in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the name of his two sons, Malon and Kilian, uh, uh, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah, and they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left with her two sons. And they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth. And they dwelled there about ten years. And Malan and Kilian died also, both of them. And the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab, where she had heard in the country of Moab, how that the Lord had visited His people in giving them bread. Let us pray. Lord, we come to You this morning. and God, I pray for Your help, for Your guidance, for Your strength to preach Your Word this morning. God, that You would open up hearts and minds to it. Lord, that You would uh, just speak, uh, speak to my heart this morning, speak through me this morning. And God, that uh, You would be glorified in all things that would be said and done today. Lord, we thank You. We give You this time. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll just be honest with you this morning. Mother's Day and Father's Day and theme messages are, are hard to plan for as a pastor. Some are good at it, but Mother's Day is especially a difficult one because, in case you were wondering, I am not a mother this morning, nor can I be a mother. Uh, I, no, no matter what, I can't. It ain't going to happen. Uh, if you're a man out there, you know, and guess what? You can't either. It takes a woman to be... Uh, a mother, but it takes someone special to be a mom and not just someone who gives, gives birth. Uh, there's a difference between someone who just has kids and someone who raises kids as, as a true mother and, and, and as, a, as a mom who wants to raise her kids to know the Lord. And those are the ones that we bless today. Those are the ones that we thank God for today, certainly. And as we come here to the book of Ruth, today's message is going to be a little bit less about Ruth and a little bit about more about Naomi, her mother-in-law, Ruth's mother-in-law. But today I want to look at the motivation of a mother. The motivation must be ultimately not just their circumstances that are before them, that I've got to get this done and this done and this done, and how many moms out there have a to-do list that's about that big, right? None of you? Anybody? Any moms? Right? Okay, right? We just don't want to say it because what you do is you... You sort of just suck it up, and this is what moms do, and we don't even count our list. You just keep on going, right? You just keep going. I know that's how it was for my mom. You do these little things that no one knows about, no one thanks you for. It's a thankless job many times, except for that one day a year. But nevertheless, you keep going. But for all of us today, whether you're a mom or not, and for us men in here as well, for every believer that's in this place today, the motivation of, of why we do things, I believe, is even greater than the what we do. As a mom, you've got certain things that you're going to do. That, that's sort of your what. You're going to do it, right? And then every mom's got their different hows. But there is really, truly, and must only be one why for why we do anything. It's our purpose behind everything. And it's not to be the best mom. It's not to be the best dad. It's not even to have the best kid. That would be nice to be both best mom and have best kid, right? 
Uh, sorry, folks, my, my mom had that, best mom, best kid, right? It's already done, so you just, just keep going, and it's all right. No, you think about this. The purpose is much greater than that. The purpose is the glory of God. The purpose and the why of being a mother, of being a father, of being a believer, it must be for the Lord. It must be for Christ. As we've sung earlier, we've talked and we've sung already about the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, offering forgiveness of sins to all who would repent and believe. And there's no greater lesson that a mother can teach their child than that. There's no greater lesson that a father can teach than that. There's no greater motivation for anything in this life than who Jesus is and what Jesus has done and the glory of Jesus for those things. Now, as we come here today, I want to look here specifically at the life of Naomi a little bit. And we're just going to be looking at these six verses today. I want us to see, first of all, a mother's home. It's often said that you've got to make a house a home. But I would probably go a little bit further, and oftentimes it's the mom who makes that house a home. Because if it was just a house and the man had to make it a home, there would be one chair, there would be a refrigerator, there would be a TV. That's about it. (laughs) There would be no Hobby Lobby decorations anywhere. We don't have time or need for that, right? The ladies make it a a home. it? It would just be, I walk in, I sit down, there's the recliner, there's the refrigerator, and they'd all be in one room. We wouldn't even need it. That's it. It's truly moms that make a home in this. From decorating and much more than decorating, it's taking care of the home and loving those that are within that home. As we look here, I want to look, first of all, verses 1 and 2, we see a mother's home here. And Naomi here has where she lives change a couple of times. It goes from what is called the, the promised land of Israel to then going to, to Moab, a place of Gentiles and people who are pagan in their worship and in their religion and their way of life. But nevertheless, Naomi makes where she is with her family a home. It says, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled it, there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of the wife was Naomi, and the name of the two sons, Malan and Kilian. And then it says that they came into the country of Moab and continued there. We go from sojourning to continuing, but we'll see that in just a moment. First of all, the time of being a mother for Naomi is a difficult one. Now, for any mom out there, there's good days, bad days, and there's some ugly days. It gets hard raising people like us. (laughs) We were all, at times, difficult to raise. Nevertheless, God is gracious to moms and here. In the book of Ruth, we find Naomi, who is going to be a mother and is a mother in the days when the judges ruled. Now, the book of Judges is just the previous book, and these are some some tough days here during the times of Judges. The the time of Judges were dark days for Israel. During this time, there was great idolatry and immorality. There had become a famine in the land, a famine of the Word of God, and even more so, a famine in the obedience to the Word of God. You want to talk about dark days of trying to be a mother. Here, the world around her is caving in. The world around her is getting darker and darker and worse and worse. And we see many parallels to our own time today, and not just in America, but worldwide. Things are getting darker. Things are getting worse. Things aren't going to get better in this world until Christ comes. Nevertheless, she still has to be a mom. But in these days, I want to look a few moments about the surroundings of which she had. Judgment has now come from outside people groups that God has used to bring His people back to Himself through repentance and faith. And then the judges in Israel uh, would be given to bring back brief revivals. And over and over and over again, though, the little revival through the judge would come, and then the people would then go back to worshiping false gods, back to their paganism, back to idolatry and their morality. Hold your place there in Ruth and turn with me to Judges chapter 2 for just a moment. Judges chapter 2. I want to show you a little bit of what it was like to be Naomi in this day. During the days of Judges, during the times of Judges, not only does she have this famine that she's dealing with where she's got to provide for kids and things, and that's what we're going to see, that's her physical issues that she's dealing with, but there's a greater issue than a physical famine. And I would say today there's a, a greater issue today than physical needs and physical famines and physical hardships that 
we have either faced, are facing, or will face in the future, and those hard times are coming in the future, by the way. It's not going to be easier. But there is a deeper issue, and that is that of spiritual we look around, and the spiritual things around us seem to be caving in. And here in the book of Judges, Judges chapter 2, verse number 10, tells us this. There had been some good things going on, but chapter 2 brings some disobedience. It says, And also that generation were gathered unto their fathers, and there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which He had done for Israel. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods of the gods of the people that were round about them and bowed themselves unto them and provoked the Lord to anger. And they forsook the Lord and served Baal and Ashtaroth. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And he delivered them into the hands of spoilers that spoiled them. And he sold them into the hands of of their enemies round about so that they could not any longer stand before their enemies. Whithersoever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil, as the Lord had said, and as the Lord had sworn unto them, and they were greatly distressed. Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges, which delivered them out of the hand of those that spoiled them. And yet they would not hearken unto their judges, but... They went a-whoring after other gods and bowed themselves unto them. They turned quickly out of the way which their fathers walked in, obeying the, uh, uh, obeying the commandments of the Lord, but they did not so. And when the Lord raised them up, judges, then the Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For it repented the Lord because of their groanings by reason of them that oppressed them and vexed them. And it came to pass... When the judge was dead, that they returned and corrupted themselves more than their fathers and following other gods to serve them and to bow down unto them. They ceased not from their own doings nor from their stubborn way. Boy, what we find here in the times of judges for Naomi, she's facing some tough times. Everyone around her is is failing. Spiritually speaking, uh, the, the people of God have run amok. And not just where they messed up a few times or had a little bit of sin in the camp. The idea is that they literally forsook. You know what it means to forsook? It means to forsook. <laughs> they forsook the Lord. They were gone away from Him. They had, as, as repentance is to turn from that which is wrong and evil and to turn to the Lord, to, to turn to something else, they are now uh, forsaking the Lord who has brought them into the land, who has delivered their enemies into their hands, and they're forsaking Him for the gods and the pagan deities of those around them. They have sold themselves out to idolatry, and idolatry then leads to immorality, and that leads to a breakdown of society. You want to know the reason why our own nation's in the shape that it's in? Idolatry and immorality. On this Mother's Day, what is so sad is that come this week, there will be thousands of babies slaughtered in the womb by moms and dads who don't see the reason for life. And not to mention just this week, but we look at the grand total approaching nearly 70 million in our own nation, not just the nations around the world. For those mothers today, you can't even fathom it. Why? Because it shouldn't even be fathomable. And yet, when we have a a group that goes to idolatry and runs then to immorality, it breaks down our society. And every society goes through this. And this is what had taken place in the times of Judges. This was the people of God. They were supposed to be following the Lord. They had been delivered into the land that would have been promised to them, and now they go wayward. And notice earlier on in this passage in in chapter 2 of Judges, it says that there arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord. There's some sad stories of folks who have not taught their children. They've taught them how to throw ball. They've taught them how to kick a soccer ball and and do all sorts of wonderful activities that are great entertainment, but they've never taught them the Lord, and now their children are gone. And there's even other sadder stories than that, that parents did all they could to raise their kids, and the kids still went where? Because ultimately it is a decision in the matter, but what we have 
is this distance from generation to generation. One that follows the Lord, and the next one doesn't. And then what we have is these little brief moments of revival, but as he talked about it here in this passage, that every time there'd be a little brief moment of revival where they, they get it, and they're following, and they're obeying, the next minute, they're gone again. This shows us the importance of godly mamas and godly dads. And it's not just the importance of we need godly moms. But we, on Mother's Day, absolutely we need godly moms. But guess what? We need godly fathers. We need godly homes. And what had happened is idolatry and immorality had led down to a breakdown of society. But society breaks down when moms and dads don't know the Lord and teach kids to know the Lord. And when the family is destroyed because, and here's how the family gets destroyed, disobedience to Christ. Disobedience to the Word of God. It had gotten so bad in Judges that the book literally ends in Judges 21, verse 25, that in those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. You see, when you became a mama, there was no real manual for it, was it? There might have been books out there. There might have been lessons from other mamas. But when you became a mama, you had to just figure that part out, didn't you? A whole lot of tough lessons, a whole lot of successes, and a whole lot of mess-ups. And same with every dad out there. Same with every believer out there. There's no real good manual, but yet, what we do find when it comes to spiritual things, there is a manual. And it is the Word of God. And what the people of God had done during Naomi and Ruth's day is they had forsaken the manual of what it means to be a godly mom, to be a godly man, to follow the Lord and to know Him. And the fruit of doing that which is right in your own eyes is never going to be good. I want you to know, if you want to be a godly mother, you want to be a godly father, you just want to be a godly Christian today, it will not be found in doing that which is right in your own eyes. It will be found in doing that which God has already declared and spoken. And now, the fruit of all this, as Ruth, here in the book of Ruth, chapter 1, verse 1, we see that there is... A famine in the land. God had brought about many a famines to the people to show them their dependence upon Him, to draw them back to Him. Because notice how throughout the Old Testament, but let's notice in our own lives that we often forget the Lord until we really realize how much we actually need Him. We forget the Lord when there's plenty of rain and there's plenty of crops and things are good. We go, all right, things are good. But then when things get bad, oh Lord, no! Woe is me, it's so bad. Fix it. We ask God to fix problems that we created because we forsook Him. And this is what had happened in their time. They're now facing a physical famine because of the spiritual famine. The spiritual famine faithlessness that they had has now brought about this physical famine to judge the people, but to bring them back to repentance. Now let's look at the, the place that this mother called home. She She's got there the land of Israel, but now they're facing a famine. And it says, So they sojourned to the country in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. We're not told how old the two sons are yet. We're not told how old she is or how old he is. But we know that they go sojourning here. They start off in Bethlehem, Judah, which Bethlehem means the house of bread. How ironic to be from the place called the house of bread, and yet they ain't got no bread. There's a famine in the land. There's no food in the house of bread. But yet, the beautiful foreshadowing, if you know the book of Ruth, that this is pointing to this coming kinsman redeemer through the lineage that Ruth will be able to bring, that Christ the Redeemer, the bread of life, will come. That there is coming a bread of life that you may eat of and never be hungered again. That is Christ and Christ alone. In Jesus Himself, where is He going to be born? Anybody? Bethlehem, the house of bread. But they go to Moab. It is a sad day when the people of God do not go to God for help, but they go to a pagan people or the world's ideas. Now in Israel's time and past, they had gone down years and years and years ago, long before the Exodus, had gone down into Egypt because Egypt, God had been used, had used Egypt, Joseph there, to uh, collect the grain and collect the food for them during that seven-year famine. And that's how the Lord was working in their life to ultimately bring them from Egypt and into the promised land. 
And now that they're there, they're facing a great famine physically and an even worse famine spiritually. But Moab was a Gentile country and a Gentile people, a pagan people that worse false deities. And later on throughout the Old Testament, you can see a few times where even Israel followed after their gods and, and goddesses and, and, and went uh, wayward to what God had commanded them. Even at one point in Judges chapter 3, uh, verse number 12, we see, and the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab, against Israel because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. So even at one point in time in their history, they're ruling over Israel because of Israel's own wickedness. But the phrase went to sojourn brings up something that they didn't mean to stay there all that long. They went to sojourn to see what supplies they can find, to kind of wait out the famine, if you will, and then to be able to return to sojourn. It's the idea of like we're going on vacation, right? We're going on vacation, we're going to come back. Now, some vacations you go, I'd like to just stay there, but it doesn't work that way. It's why it's vacation. You've got to come back. And their idea of sojourning is that we're going to get what we need to survive to, in order to come back. But then we look at verse number 2. It says, and then they continued there. They start to grow some roots there a little bit. They stay a little longer than what they perhaps should have Notice that never do we find God speaking to Elimelech saying, go down to Moab. Yet nevertheless, God is going to use this, but there will be some great trials that we're going to see in the next few verses that Naomi is going to face that is ultimately going to bring about the redemption of Ruth to ultimately then, through her lineage, bring about the Redeemer of all mankind. So yet in the middle of famine, in the middle of judgment, God is graciously working something. And for you mamas, I want you to know that regardless of the hard time you've ever gone through, regardless of the difficulties and circumstances, and even regardless for those who would love to be moms and aren't moms right now and the tragedy and the difficulty and the sadness and the heartache of which you're facing, God is still yet at work. God is never not working amongst His people. He is always pouring out His grace and His goodness. And it is our choice by faith to either trust in that or to turn to the other things of this world. And as they had done, they had turned to the other things of the world. But let's look at the people of the home here. We've seen the places of home, Bethlehem and Moab. We go from promised land to a foreign land. But the people is really what makes a home, isn't it? Matter of fact, I think even Hobby Lobby sells signs about that stuff. I don't know if they do or not. All of the signs kind of just run together aisle after aisle. <laughs> Thank God for Christian company, though, I guess. But nevertheless, we think about this. It's the people that make a home, isn't it? You can have a place and it can be a house, but it's the people that make it up. And here's the people. I want to give to you their names and their meanings because this brings out so much more as we read the text. In the name of the man, the husband, Naomi's husband, his name is Elimelech. You know that name means my God is king. That's a pretty good name, isn't it, right? Write that down right in the baby book. Elimelech. Elimelech, get back in this house, right? Elimelech, my God is king here. This is something. What a name. You would think that someone with the name of Elimelech is trusting the Lord, and yet here what we find is he goes, oh, there's a famine, let's go to the Gentiles. Oh, there's a famine, let's go to a foreign land, and, and, and we'll just wait out the storm here. Someone who knows God is king is going to realize the situation and the, the mess that they're in in their own land and to return to the Lord does not appear that he truly trusted the Lord in the sense that God was king over that famine and God was king to provide for his own people that would trust by faith in him. Secondly, we find the next one, and that is sort of the character of this little passage here, and that's Naomi. His wife's name is Naomi, which means sweet or fair. It is that idea of being lovely, pleasant, and delightful. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? And, and oftentimes what we find is that names had much more meaning then than they do now. And, and their name meant something. We can even attribute sort of these same sort of ideas to, to Naomi that perhaps she was this lovely woman, this lovely wife, this delightful mother and all these things. Someone that would have certainly been celebrated on, on Mother's Day that they didn't have back then. Hallmark wasn't around. <laughs> Nevertheless, 
What a name to hold up to. But someone so sweet and so lovely and so delightful is about to go through the worst thing that she could ever imagine. We'll see that in a moment. Now notice the names of the two boys. We have Malin, which is to be weak or sickly. When I ask my mom around my birthday or whether even to ask her or not, normally I get told around my birthday the whole process of the day, right? And we talk, they talk about, okay, well, we remember we thought we were pregnant, we were so excited, and all we cared about is just be healthy, right? Be healthy. That's all we want, right? And then she talks about how later on when she knew it was going to be healthy, then it was what I want him to have blue eyes and, and all that stuff. And I was born blonde-headed and blue-eyed. I still had the beard. No, just kidding. I didn't have the beard. Blonde hair, blue-eyed baby, and now look at this, right? This is what happens. Sorry, Mom. But nevertheless, Mom just wanted a healthy baby. And here this mom has son, and his name even means sickly. The idea of even being puny and, and weak. But nevertheless, a mother's love doesn't care how strong her kid is, how smart her kid is. Mom is just love. Thank God for it. But then the second son... Killian means to be failing, to be pining, it's the idea of deteriorating, or even that of annihilation. How sad this is that these two boys that she's got, it doesn't seem like they're all that healthy or all that prosperous, and now they're in a foreign land, they've been taken there, and in the middle of all these uncertain circumstances, here Naomi is, delightful, cheerful, sweet, lovely, she's just being a mama. She's trying to be the best mom, the best wife that she possibly can in the middle of a famine, in the middle now from going to the promised land that's facing famine because of sin to a foreign land full of pagans and just trying to be the best mom she knows how. But with being a mom, it doesn't just come being a homemaker, but also comes some great heartache. It would be nice if all we ever did for our moms was make them full of joy and pride and so thankful and that we told them how much we really loved and appreciate them and much of the time we don't even realize those things until we're gone and moved out and then we we're 18 19 we're out on our own and we, we call her like mom how do i do this or mom thank you for this or mom can you make me some food right and we still do that that used to be my thing i'd go home from college and mom never failed i would always get a bag of food to take home with me to school i would always get food while i was there and normally she would buy me a nice new polo shirt to wear to class when I went back to Bible college, and she'd go, you look so handsome. Right? Yeah. She's a lover, but I don't know if she was a liar or not. But I, nevertheless, she loved me just the same. But I know that I gave my mom some grief and some heartache. Same with all of us. But here the heartache that Naomi faces is one unimaginable. Here she is in a foreign land, and we pick up the verse number 3. It says, And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left and her two sons. You might say, well, at least she's got her two boys. To lose a husband meant so much during this time. The husband took care of everything. He was the provider, the money maker, and they've already got famine. They're already in a foreign land. She knows nobody else. He's the protector of the home, and now she's got... Her boys need to think, well, she's got two young, strapping young men. We just read about them. One is weak and sickly, and the other one's pining. Not these strong warriors to go, we've got it, Mom, we'll take care of you. Not so much. But she faces the death of her husband. We don't know why he died, how he died. Some speculate that he died because of some sort of disobedience of taking them to Moab. Nevertheless, we don't know, but we know this. He died and she's left to raise these two boys on her own. Raising these two sickly boys and she's in a foreign land separated from her family, from her friends, from all of her support. And now her husband whom she had is gone. There's no protection, it seems. And the idea, though, of the phrase was left is a picture of the remnant Israel. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 11 tells us this, And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set His hand against the second time to recover the remnant of His people, which shall be left from Assyria and from Egypt and from Pathros and from Cush and from Elam and from Shinar and from Hamath and from the islands of the sea. This idea that like Israel, Naomi too will return to the land and return to the Lord. 
So now the responsibility shifts from her husband to the sons, but the sons are, sons are sickly and weak and puny and frail. But then it says in verse 4, And they took them wives of the women of Moab. And the name of one was Orpah, and the name of the other was Ruth, and they dwelled there about ten years. They have marriage to the Moabites. The Moabites, remember, they're a pagan people. Though the Moabites are not listed in the forbidden group of the do not marries in Deuteronomy 7, they were, however, considered to be cut off from the congregation. In Deuteronomy chapter 23, uh, verse number 3 says, An Ammonite or Moabite shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord, even to their tenth generation shall they not enter into the congregation of the Lord forever. Because they met you not with bread and with water in the way when ye came forth out of Egypt, and because they hired against thee Balaam the son of uh, Peor of Pether of Mesopotamia to curse thee. Nevertheless, the Lord thy God would not hearken unto Balaam, but the Lord thy God turned the curse into a blessing unto thee, because the Lord thy God loved thee. Thou shalt not seek their peace nor their prosperity all thy days forever. However, while they're not told, eh, you can't marry a Moabite, they're told about the congregation and hear what is believed that she. Uh, during this time, what we're going to find is that Ruth seems to be the 11th generation able to marry them <coughs> and to be a part of what God is doing in a much grander scale to bring about the Messiah one day. Nevertheless, though the influence is not of a great one, but here's what happens. God is still yet at work because what this does is it points to the inclusion of Gentile believers in the plan of salvation. That God was not just desiring to save Jew, but Gentile alike. The Bible tells us that uh, Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, that God has now included all. And that the message of Jesus Christ dying for sinners and raises again to offer forgiveness of sins is for all, whether Jew or Gentile. And that now He has grafted them and brought them into one body, the body of Christ. Isaiah 56 tells us a little bit about this in the sort of uh, foretelling. Isaiah 56, verse 1 through 8 say, Thus saith the Lord, keep ye judgment and do justice, for my salvation is near to come and our righteousness to be revealed. Blessed is the man that doeth this, and the Son of Man that layeth hold on it, that keepeth the Sabbath from polluting it, and keepeth his hand from doing any evil. Neither let the Son of the stranger that hath joined himself to the Lord speak, saying, The Lord hath utterly separated me from his people. Neither let the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. For thus saith the Lord unto the eunuchs, that keep thy Sabbath and choose the things that please me and take hold of my covenant. Even unto them will I give in mine house and within my walls a place and a name better than the sons and of daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Also the sons of the stranger that join themselves to the Lord to serve Him and to love the name of the Lord, to be His servants, everyone that keepeth the Sabbath from polluting it and taketh hold of My covenant. Even them will I bring to My holy mountain and make them joyful in My house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices shall be accepted upon Mine altar, for My house shall be called an house of prayer for all people. The Lord God which gathereth the outcasts of Israel saith, Yet will I gather others to Him beside those that are gathered unto Him. We find that in this, what God is doing is showing us that there will be a day, and that day has come that salvation is being offered to all walks of life. Rich, poor, black, white, Jew, Gentile. All can be saved that call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We praise the Lord for such. Here we find though, that they marry, and we've got Orpah, which means stiff-necked. And then we've got Ruth as the other wife, which means a, a friend, or even has the idea of a refresher, and one who has sympathy. But then notice, she's got more heartache to come. And Malan and Killian died also, both of them. And the was left of her two sons and her husband. She has lost everything. She's now husbandless. She's childless. She's grandchildless. Her sons didn't have uh, pregnancies and, and babies with Orpah and Ruth. They died without children. And to face this, to be widowed and childless now at this point, is to be sort of the lowest of the low. 
They've got no one to protect them, no one to provide for them, and they were even all, all, all viewed just that they would have such terrible times in, in poverty. Her greatest heartache wasn't the difficulty of life that she was facing. It was the fact that she had lost her husband, lost her two boys, and now she's got two daughters-in-law that, to take care of, and she's in a foreign land. And now, now what do we do here? And here's where we find this. Verse number 6, a mother's help. And truly, this is more than just a mother's help. This is everyone's help today. It is to return to the Lord. Our help is not found in finding help from the Moabites in the world. It's not found in going, uh, well, good luck to the daughter-in-law or, or trying to just but, you know, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. It's to return back to the things of God, the place of God, the people of God. Here's what happens in verse number 6. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited His people in giving them bread. Breadless Bethlehem now has bread, and she hears this now after about 10 years of being gone from home. And 10 years is a long time, especially with some of those 10 years being husbandless and now childless, and now you've gone through these heartaches, and now what else can you do? It says that a choice is made that first of all, then she arose. You get knocked down, you got a choice. Lay down, stay down, or get up. Get knocked down again, lay down, stay down, or get back up again. How many times do we know that our moms have persevered through heartaches, through difficulties, through tragedies, through tough times and hard times, and yet they still found a way to make a meal? Here we've got something even greater. She arose. And the focus has now shifted not from the boys and from the man, but now the focus is on her. The women's choices of faith or flesh in the aftermath of these deaths. Faith is going to move forward and the flesh is going to lead to failure. But here Naomi chooses faith to return back to the land and return back to the Lord of her people. What we're going to see later on in this passage as you read is you can see then the choice is given to Orpah and to Ruth. Orpah's going to go back to her people. Ruth's going to cling on and go with her mother-in-law. And not just go with her mother-in-law, but choose the way of faith and trust in the one true God. She knows that God had visited His people. This mother, Naomi, has some insight. That God has blessed His people in the place where Naomi belonged. And she has the insight enough to know that there is one true God and it's not the God of the Moabites. It's the God of Israel. It's the God of the Bible. It's the God of her father Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's the God of her covenant. It's the God who had delivered them from Egypt and had delivered them into the promised land. It's the same God that they as a people had forsaken. But she knows that yet that same God is full of mercy and grace and goodness. And if she returns, there He is. She has the insight as well to know that God alone can redeem and restore homes and the heartaches of which she has faced. Her focus now is not going to be so much on, as you read through the chapter, about her trying to have kids again, but rather about just her returning back to the Lord because it is only truly God that can give Help and strength. It is only truly God that can redeem and restore a soul, let alone a home or a heartache from a tragedy. But then we find as well her initiative. Her motivation is to get back to God. It is to get back to the blessed land and the God who blesses not just the land, but the people, His covenant people. She takes the initiative to return to the land and to the Lord, and she returns back to the house of bread where her true hope and home is. As we wrap up this section today, on this Mother's Day, and as someone who's not a mom and can't be a mom, but has a godly mom, I want to encourage not just the moms this morning, but every soul that's here about a few things. We'll be done. There's one, God still works through famines, physical, spiritual, and He works through our failures. 
I'm sure Elimelech thought he was doing a good thing to take his family there where there might be some bread and ended up in his death and the death of his sons and his wife being left there by herself. Nevertheless, though, God still works. The Bible talks about earlier on in the book of Genesis at the end that what man meant for evil against Joseph, that God meant for good and God works these things, that God is always working for the good of His people and for His glory. We can trust in that. So though you might be experiencing a physical famine, maybe you're in a spiritual famine today, or maybe you've just got so much heartache that you just don't know what else you can possibly take. Because I'd be a fool to think, much like with Christmas and things, not every holiday is so joyful. Today, there's going to be some heartaches. Today, there's some, some hearts that might be hurting a little bit. But nevertheless, God is at work. Two, God is always preparing His people to return or for greater things. There is something greater than Moab. And there's even something greater than Israel and being in Bethlehem. And it's called being and walking in the presence of the Lord. It is a total and final redemption that one day you and I will get to leave what seems so nice and can be so nice and pleasant sometimes in this world and to go be with the Lord to something far greater. Third, find that God is the only true help and that God is the only true home for every soul to rest at. You might try to make your home in Moab. You might try to make your home in the world. You might try to make your home in the church. But the only true resting place for a mom, for a dad, and for every other soul in this world is to be found resting in the blood of Jesus Christ. It is to be found in Him. It is to be resting in the Lord. He alone is our fortress and our high tower. He alone is uh, those things for us to provide for us and to protect us, not the things of this world. Lastly, what we find in this passage is that God is preparing a greater redemption and restoration for His people. And it's not just about the land, but it's about Christ. As you read the book of Ruth, what you're going to find is that all of this is going to bring about one day the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ, that an ultimate and final Redeemer and Restorer and Reconciler would come, and that is Christ. Today, I would ask you, if you feel spiritually broken, if maybe you're still lost in your sins and you don't have forgiveness, you don't have assurance of heaven, today, you can return to the Lord. Trust in Christ and be born again. Be saved today. Experience true redemption. Have more than your life restored. Have your heart restored above anything else. God will take care of the rest. Today, if you're facing heartaches and you know the Lord, but maybe you're just struggling today, maybe your heart hurts today from loss, maybe today is a hard Mother's Day for you. Find rest and hope and encouragement in the Lord. You will find it nowhere else. There is nothing that I can say, there's nothing that this world can offer that will make your heart whole. But there is Christ, our Redeemer, who can restore you today. Today, maybe you're not lost. And maybe your heart's in a good place spiritually. Well, praise the Lord, we're going to try to be like you. (laughs) Maybe you're doing pretty good spiritually, but you know something, you know what you can do today? You can come to this altar and pray for those who aren't. Pray with those who aren't. You can be an encouragement for others to return back to the Lord today and to find their rest in Him. And today, maybe you can just be reminded of moms like Naomi who have made a home but have had heartaches, but yet have pressed on and pointed us to the Lord. Thank God for godly mamas who are motivated not by themselves and not by the world, but are motivated by the glory of God to know Him, to dwell with Him, and to teach the next generation to do the same. There's ever been a time or a day that we need godly mamas and a generation to be taught the Word of God. It's now. But it starts with us. It starts with each one of us saying, I will return to the Lord today. Let's all stand this morning. As this piano plays, this altar's open.